Well, it's good to be here again. Um, this morning, uh, a couple of months, oh, sorry, about a month ago, I started the sermon by, I'm really excited about the message today because it's, it was this great story about Hezekiah and his faithfulness and how God blessed the whole nation through it. And um, I was so excited about it that I didn't go to the next chapter <laughs> until today. Because, gee, we look, for, we look for a hero of the faith, don't we? We look for someone who always gets it right, who's always going to get it right. There was one, his name was Jesus. Um, but apart from him, we sort of, the, the Bible is, is quite brutal. I remember some years ago uh, in St. George, someone come up to me, why do, you always, why do you talk about the fact that, that, that some of the hero it was about Abraham and Tom, that he had faults? Just, just tell us about his good bits. <laughs> it's actually encouraging in a way for us because it, it reminds us that we may never have it all good and perfect. You know what I mean? We'd love to have a hero who, who does have it all together. So that's a very big uh, backlog to the fact that you probably know where this is going now with Hezekiah. Maybe today Hezekiah doesn't quite get it as good as he did last time. So I'm, I'm reading from uh, Isaiah chapter 38 and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 8. In those days, uh, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. This bit, you're probably going to say, this is great so far. Uh, no, I mean, uh, the first bit you're going to go, it's, it's good. It's just, oh, you'll see when we get there. Sorry. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet, Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the, face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do as he promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back ten steps. The ten steps has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back ten steps. It had gone down. God gave a, a miracle where the sun moved in the sky. Can we understand that? Just to show what he was going to do. That's incredible, isn't it? How did he do that, seeing that the sun doesn't move but the earth turns? I'm going to ask him one day. Okay. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and he was at the point of death. Okay. I just want to remind you, this, is, this immediately happens after Jerusalem was surrounded by the troops of Assyria and they were a far superior army. They outnumbered them about 200 to 1. In soldier value. You've got no chance. This is, this is kind of like, you know, they, they say that the Indonesian Boy Scouts has more firepower than the Australian Army. That's, uh, they, you know, they say it seriously, actually. <laughs> but um, not that 
I've got a problem with Indonesia. That's right. Don't get me wrong. But um, this was a very small nation, and God had put, they had been in an impossible situation, and God in his faithfulness had delivered them when Hezekiah went and he prayed uh, this prayer and asked for deliverance, and God did this just incredibly safe. But now Hezekiah was ill at the point of death. He's been king for about 14 years. And at this point, I think you could say, if he was to die this day, he would have, people would have said there was no greater king of Israel uh, or of Judah than Hezekiah. He was dying. He had just done everything perfectly. But he didn't, didn't die. And I'm not saying that he, he prayed to live. He, he, he had... Some sort of, we find out later, some sort of boils, and, uh, which would have been a golden staph infection, we would call nowadays, which might, uh, people can deal with that reasonably easy now, but if you don't have antibiotics and that gets into your blood and you get septic, you're going to die in that, in that era. There's no, you don't come back from that. So he had a death sentence. But he prayed, and this is his prayer, and this is, uh, I want to focus on the first part of this. In, in verse 3, he said, Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. Now, it's interesting the way he phrased there because what you sort of see is he's saying, Lord, see how I've been perfect before you. You are to me to heal me. It's a... Uh, a prayer of, you might say, some people say it's transactional or bargaining with God. Now, God heals him and, and, uh, and, and God blesses him that. But it, it, Hezekiah, he's doing something we all do at times. I've been really good, God, so I deserve this. We do think like that sometimes. And we can easily think, if I live a reasonably faithful life, obedient life, then God will bless me with a reasonable level of comfort, a reasonable level of wealth, a reasonable level of health. If I'm good, God will give me that. That's reasonably... We just think that there won't be too many disasters in our life, providing I pretty much go about the right thing. In other words, God gives to me on the basis that I act. Now, Without being too harsh on Hezekiah, we're going to come back to this story in a minute. I want to talk about this for a minute, and then we'll come back, because we'll see where that path leads Hezekiah to. But can you see that? And if we're saying, Lord, give to me on the basis of what I give to you, that's actually not grace. Is it? Grace is when God gives to us, not on the basis of what we deserve, but on the basis of when we don't deserve. If I get things right, God will bless me. If, I, if things starts to go wrong, then I must have done something wrong. We do think like that all the time, actually. I, used, I always quote that song that was a pop song about 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It's hard to remember these days. Why does it always rain on me? Is it because I lied when I was 17? In other words, something's gone bad in my life. I must have done something wrong to deserve it. We can think like that. But you see... That's not the way it is with God, is it? He gives grace to uh, the humble, but he opposes the proud, as we said last week. Okay, so, all right. 
Now, sometimes in the Bible, I'm not saying that, that Hezekiah's prayer is totally wrong, because sometimes David says things like in his Psalms, he says, deal with me according to my righteousness. Gee, I'd be a bit scared saying that prayer, would you? How'd you go with that? Deal with me according to my righteousness. Except David also knew this. He said, as far as the east is from the west, so far you have forgiven my sins. In other words, deal with me according to the righteousness you've given me. And that's why we can pray to God as pure sons and daughters, knowing he's hearing us because we know what he's done for us. But if we were to appeal to God on the basis of our righteousness that hasn't come through Jesus, then that's shaky ground. Can you understand what I'm saying? If we're at the point where we think that God blesses us because we're faithful, we're, that, that's going to get dangerous. Okay. Because he blesses us because he's faithful. That's why he blesses us. Okay, so whether serving, sacrificing, loving God, if you do that with the expectation, like transactional, you give to me, I give to you. We've got this deal with Kent and Allison, it's a beautiful thing. They give us barley, we feed our chickens with it, we give them eggs. That's transactional. Now, that's, that's not a sin, it's okay. It's just, it's just a fair deal, isn't it? It works well for us. So we give to God our obedience and he gives good things to us. Okay. Because you see, the Christian life, that actually, just imagine that Kent and Allison gave us 40 tonnes of barley worth, what would that be, quite a lot of money, and we gave them two dozen eggs a year. That's called being used. That's right. That's where we're using you selling your barley off. Do you understand what I'm saying? Transaction always runs that risk. And we run the risk of treating God in that way. We're using him. Uh, I, I give you a pittance. You give me a lot. Because we want to have a need met. So, what I want to say is this, and this is where it gets personal. If you live with that view of God you will actually live on a life where you have huge highs and huge, and huge lows. Because you will really, really struggle when things don't go well for you. Because you've got a, a sort of a, 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 a... Every time you have any sort of crisis, you're having a faith crisis too. So, I'll put it another way. Let's just say um, I get sick. Oh, well, let's, let's just say I was to hypothetically break my back. Okay? Right? And I have this expectation that that won't happen if I'm being faithful to God. Then I'm laying in hospital and I've got two problems going on. One, I've got a very painful back. Two, what are you doing, God? Okay? And that will cause far more uh, downheartedness, even depression, than just saying, I've got to deal with the pain of it. Can you understand what I'm saying? It, it's really, it's important because you see, we have a, a, a confusion because of a false expectation of the way God will act towards us. And if we live with that expectation, we will be disappointed. We will have doubts. 
Okay. Now, if you want to see proof of what I'm saying as being true, that living a perfect life will not always go well for you, you just will you look at the one who was most perfect, the one who was most obedient, the one who most delighted in the Lord, who was the Lord Jesus, and and it didn't all go well for him. Or you could look at the disciples and the followers of Jesus. How did life work out for them? Um, not comfortable, I guess you'd say. So what I've been saying is this. We don't actually live in a bargaining relationship with God. We live in a relationship. But this is not to say life is going to be all down and horrible. It's just to say that God gives us what he knows is right. Okay. And also, I want to say this. I'm not trying to run down Hezekiah. He was a person who lived like we all live. He did. He, we, we, we are a bit flaky at times. Okay, so God promises to give Hezekiah another 15 years of life, and he also made this promise in verse 6. He said, And I will deliver you from this city and from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. In other words, defend you, this city. In other words, this nation of Assyria, which is very, very powerful still, that surrounded you and then pulled back, they will never rule over Jerusalem. That is not going to happen. I'm making that promise. Okay? That nation may seem like it's still a threat, and Judah is a very small fish at the moment, insignificant in the world, but I want you to know they will never rule over you. Okay. Now we take a step back and look at Hezekiah and just think of where he's at. And if I picture myself there, I was the one, this is me, I went into the temple... I prayed, and God saved the whole nation. Everybody knows that. That's the story that's told down the street. It's on the street corners. Everybody knows. Faithful Hezekiah, faithful Derek. (laughs) And then I got sick to the point of death where any other normal person would die, and I prayed, and God healed me. What would that do to Derek? I know what it would do internally. I would start to get this sense. You want to know God? Come through me. I'm, you understand? Pride would begin to become my way. Okay. And this is what feeds into what happens next. And this is the part. You see, Assyria was the, the nation over the whole world at that time. But there was another nation, Assyria was to the north, but far to the east was another nation called Babylonia. Or Babylon. It was starting to get more powerful. It was starting to become the nation that would one day rule the whole earth. Okay. Chapter 39, verse 1. At that time, Merodach, Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly. Okay, so an envoy, a government official party from Babylon came bringing gifts and showing and, and letters, which the letters at very least, they, no one knows what was in the letters, but at least to say you are a nation honoured by Babylon. You know, they honoured Hezekiah. We've heard of your recovery. 
you must be really favoured by God. If, if we've heard 3,000 kilometres to the east about your recovery, you know, the, the, the coming and honouring him, you're favoured. And Hezekiah, he's at a junction now where he could say this. God is great. Look what he's done for me. Or, have a look at what I've done. Why did God favour me? Because the bargaining sort of thing. He favoured me because I'm faithful. Now, Hezekiah could have, at this point, said, I'm going to take you to the temple and you can kneel next to me and pray to this God and I'll introduce you to him. Do you understand? He's the one who's done everything for me. But what does he do? Okay, in verse 2, it says, Hezekiah received the envoys gladly. And he showed them what was in his storehouses. The silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil, his entire armoury, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all of his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Hezekiah, he comes this envoy from this nation and he says, I want to show you Fort Knox. I want to show you where I keep my gold. I want to take you down. Just look away while I punch in the code. Have a look at the gold and silver. It is awesome. Look at what I've got. Okay? And the spices and the oil. I want to show you all the riches, the wealth. That's not growing here. That's coming in from other nations. Look at, look at what I've got. Um, uh, what else? Uh, sorry. <clears throat> he showed them his palace. Wow, check out my bedroom, you know, my toys. His plant, all of the kingdom, the plantations, the orchards, have a look at it all. And then the crazy bit, he shows them his armoury. You know what the armoury is, right? That's his weapons. He says, come down here, I want to show you how many spears we've got. I want to show you how many chariots we've got. I want to show you how many bows we've got. I want to show you how big our army is, both thousand people, you know. Um, look at my strength and the envoys put a notepad out yeah, writing down these things yeah can you imagine that a nation and the president from another nation comes to visit and he says I'll show you our army in fact I'll do more than that I will show you where our submarines are I will, I will show you how many fighter jets we come down to our secret place where we have our missile Silos. I'll show you where. They, I'll show you the whole lot. Would we call them crazy? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Why would you have a look at that sophisticated radar? It is so good. You see, when we are blinded, we can easily be blinded. Sorry, by compliments actually. Because how good am I? Hey, how good am I? You, know, you understand? You tell me I'm good. Pride often makes us lean towards our worldly strength. Hezekiah, he knew he did not win that battle. God did that. Absolutely on his own. In fact, if you remember when we went through it, God had said, not a single arrow will be shot in this war. And, and there wasn't. There wasn't a spear, not a single bit of action. God finished the war in one night, bang, army defeated. 
But Hezekiah showed everything to the Babylonians. Okay. Verse 3 says this. Then Isaiah, the prophet, went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did those men say? And where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied. They came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, What did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Can you hear what he's saying? Everything you showed them will go. Everything you had pride in is going to be taken away. And not only that, in verse 7 it says, And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, who will be born, so we're talking about sometime in the future, will be taken away. And they'll become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. In other words, not only will all the riches of Jerusalem be taken away, but even your own descendants uh, will they become slaves or eunuchs. They'll have no line to follow them because you took pride in yourself and not in the Lord. Now, how easy, I've just got to think, how easy would it have been to be where Hezekiah is? Yep, I, I, I'd be there. Have a look at what I've done. Have a look at what God's done for me. Of course God's done it for me because I'm me. So how does Hezekiah react to this promise? And this is the most telling part of where he's at himself in verse 8. He says, The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. Hezekiah replied, For he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. In other words, I'm happy with everything you've said because it's in the future after I'll be dead. So I don't mind. In other words, what I really want is peace in my lifetime. Yeah. I want an unblemished record. No one took over this country while I was ruler. I, um, you see, what he, he said, I don't mind what will happen. I just don't want to deal with it myself. He'd become very self-centred. As long as I'm at peace, then all is good. He's saying, as we do, I just don't like conflict. I just don't like hardships. I just don't like sickness. So if I don't have to face them, I'm happy. I just want a peaceful life and putting that together with, obviously, a peaceful life means a life blessed by God. The two must be the same, mustn't they? What can protect us from becoming like Hezekiah. And this is not this complex, actually. What will protect us from this? Just to simply start by saying this. This is my application part. This is the end bit for you. We've got that. Good. Everything we have that's good comes from the Lord. Just know that. Honour Him for our achievements. Oh, it, yeah. Um, 
it's still something to be said for having harvest Thanksgiving. Look at what, look at that harvest yeah, that I know. Look at that harvest that God's given me. Can you see that? I am so thankful for the house you've given me, for the family you've given me. I'm just, it's all from you. Just honour God for everything. That's actually, that's, it praise Him. That's actually one of the most safeguarding things in our life is just to honour him and say it's all from you. That will destroy our pride because what can we show off him? Well, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Yep. Christ, our holiness, righteousness, redemption. That's what the next line says in that verse because what it's saying? Our, our holiness, our righteousness, our redemption comes from Christ. It's not ours. It's all the gift. Isn't that good? So, so honour him as, as the source of all we have, including, I'll say it again, our righteousness. In other words, honour Christ as everything. He is the one who's taken our sins. Honour him. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's, not, it's never our righteousness. It always comes from what he's done. It's always a, our perfection is true. Our righteousness is total and it's come as a gift from Jesus. It's not something we deserve. And as we remember that, again, we will be thankful. We'll just give thanks. Thank you for Jesus. It's, a, it's actually, in one sense, it's one of the most simple things, isn't it? I think then also we can't actually live with the expectation that God owes us anything. Yeah? Especially peace and comfort. Because those things can be a blessing and we love them. And I hate hardships and I hate pain, so don't get me wrong. But they are not always blessings. Because there are lots of people in this world who have lots of comfort and lots of peace who are actually evildoers. They are evil people. It's not necessarily a sign of God's blessing. If we live without the expectation that Jesus will bring us always peace and comfort, then we won't be easily shaken because we won't have that double crisis in our life again and again. Okay, We'll only ever have single crises. We'll have, things are going wrong, but I know God's with me. And I know that he's blessing me through Christ. And then the last bit is really, is this. Love God for being God. You see, when I said about, you know, it's very easy to use people and to use God, how about instead of that, love Him not because of what He'll give us, just love Him because He is who He is. Love Him as the Lord of all. He does give us good things all the time, don't get me wrong. He's always given us good things, but we love Him because He is God. We honour him because he's God. We praise him because he's God of all. That's it. That's the end of the story. In other words, love and honour him above all else. Actually, the greatest commandment being love that sounds familiar from some people, doesn't it? Yeah? I think Jesus said it or something, didn't he? He alone is our king. He alone is our hero. He is the one who will always get it right. He is our defender. 
He is our joy and our peace and our righteousness. In other words, praise Him alone. Humility will follow because it naturally follows from loving and honouring Him alone. In other words, our whole life is given to honour and praising God. Who He is, what He's done, and for the salvation that He's brought us through Jesus as a free gift. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Father, that you are who you are. And we want to give you praise because you alone are God. You alone are the one who has brought salvation. You are the deliverer. You are our rock. You are our strength. Father, everything good, every blessing comes from you alone. I pray, dear Father, that you would teach us this morning that we wouldn't fall into those traps of pride, of self-centeredness, that we might live honouring you as our source, as a giver of grace, and that we might give thanks to you in all that we do. Father, we're going to need your Holy Spirit to do that. We can't do that on our own. So I pray that you would pour your Spirit on each one of us, that you would give us hearts that love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could finish one little point before we do anything else, say, do you know what? I reckon we're going to see Hezekiah in heaven. In fact, I'm sure we will, because we're told he was one of the greatest kings of Israel. Or Judah. Yeah, that's good. Just remember that when you have a bit of a fall. That's not the end of the story, huh?